here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Robin McCarron. And then two weeks after that, we got Money in the Bank. And then two weeks after that, we got Starcade. And then two weeks after that, we got Halloween Havoc. Jeff Hawkins. I'm Dana Brooke. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Destination America's canceled TNA. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shake Them Ropes. Rob McCarron here alongside Jeff Hawkins via the Skype machine. As usual, it is Shake Them Ropes episode 114. Uh, Today on the show, we are going to talk about the NXT ongoings, Tyler Breeze's WWE debut and what he's doing. We're going to talk a little WWE breaking ground and then match number 59 on our top 100 matches to see before you die. Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio from Great American Bash 1996 and much more. But first, Jeffrey, how are you? I am the man of a thousand hot takes. That's what I am, how I'm doing. What I'm is, all right. I'm good. What is hot take number 457? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Armbar? Uh, what is it? The uh, uh, the three-handled moss credenza? <laughs> the moss-covered no. credenzel. Or, yes. Yeah. No, sure. Yeah. Hot take number 457. <laughs> Jacob deGrom will cut his hair and suck yeah. at pitching. Mm. But... Uh, Based- baseball mm. it's baseball it's halloween see halloween is saturday do you do anything special for halloween oh man it, it's big in la i mean halloween is is like christmas everywhere else in la uh but um this year probably not because i think the person who usually has the big halloween party that i go to uh kind of uh broke off the relationship so the big house that they live in oh, is no, no longer is no longer available jeff but, losing uh, people but I have costumes if need be. What What is the go-to Jeff Hawkins costume <laughs> if need be? Let's see. Uh, Charlie Brown is in the repertoire. Um, I, I can see that one, yeah. Captain Chaos from Cannonball Run. I have that going for me if I want it. Uh, usually I try and do something clever and I actually work on it for a while. But uh, this year I have not. Like one year I went as uh, as Wall Street so that... I'd ask the ladies to occupy me. Oh, God. <laughs> it occupy, occupy you? What kind of kinky shit are you into, Jeff? Oh. Jesus. Rob, you have to take me to dinner first if you're going to do no, that. No, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> In fact, when you go to Dallas for WrestleMania and I go to Dallas for WrestleMania, I plan on not seeing you one moment outside of when we do a show. Oh, and, and when we go to WrestleMania because we're going together, right? You get out of here. Um, um, I don't know. Are we? We need to discuss that because tickets go on sale next week. Tickets go on sale on the 6th. Yeah. yeah. They go on sale on November 6th for WrestleMania, the granddaddy of them all. A uh, quick reminder, some housekeeping before we uh, we move on. Uh, if you get the uh, show through Downcast like I do, you may need to resubscribe so that it autofills because we've changed our feed. We have changed the feed. Now, it's interesting because uh, some people on Downcast have gotten it automatically. Some others have not. Okay. Now, 
those who have gotten it automatically or automatically are probably the only ones hearing this right now. The others are wondering, hey, don't they do a show every Tuesday? What's going on here? Well, unless, um, they, unless they subscribe to the Voices feed, yes. which is on. If you are uh, listening to the show and are not getting it through the individual Shake Them Ropes podcast feed, uh, cancel the subscription and then resubscribe or uh, manually put in the new podcast feed. It's up on our Twitter page at Shake Them Ropes. It's also linked on all the links at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Um, yeah, some have not gotten it yet. Now, it, when you change podcast servers, sometimes it takes about a month, and we've only been in two weeks of this right now, so it might be possible that you just haven't been switched automatically yet. Um, but if you're worried about that, uh, I encourage you to go find the new feed. It is feeds.feedburner.com slash Shake Them Ropes. And again, we have the links at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. You can reach Jeff on Twitter at Crap Game 13. We watched a lot of uh, wrestling this weekend and this week. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about Hell in a Cell on our live show on Sunday, which if you have not seen yet, you can go watch the show. We produce an hour-long television show every time after these WWE shows now uh, that you can go watch on the uh, Voices of Wrestling YouTube, youtube.com slash Voices of Wrestling. But we talked about Hell in a Cell on that show. Today we're going to talk about more of what happened on Raw and the fallout going into Survivor Series because, Jeff, we already have the Survivor Series main event all set. Yes, we do. Roman uh, Reigns versus Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And we'll talk a little bit about how they got there. But uh, what do you think about Reigns and Rollins on this show? I have no problem with the match. My my only gripe really coming out of Raw, because I thought it was a fairly solid Raw, uh, there were some missteps in there, divas. But um, I wish they hadn't tipped their hand in the first 20 minutes, that was going to be Roman Reigns. I mean, we know it's going to be Reigns, you know, in our hearts because we follow, you know, the business and we have a more critical thinking than a six-year-old. But it's still fun to go along on the ride. I just wish they hadn't done that stare down in the first 20 minutes. It kind of kind of ruined my enjoyment of it a bit. I Honestly, I thought the stare down might have been a red herring, you know, doing I it. Was, well, I was hoping it was, but when it turned out it wasn't, I got mad it wasn't a red herring. It's, one of, those, it's one of those red herrings for the sake of throwing it out there so people end up not thinking it's going to be this. Um, yeah, I, I didn't care much about that. I, I like Rollins. I thought maybe there was the possibility of doing Alberto Del Rio uh, coming in with the U.S. championship and then going, you know, I, once they were doing that four way and Alberto Del Rio was in it, I did not put it past them to promise him like a big role Yeah, when he came back and possibly win the championship and go to WrestleMania with all the other players. You know, some of the big players in WWE are not going to be in title matches. You know, Brock Lesnar may not be in the title picture, although now if if Roman Reigns wins the championship at Survivor Series, I think he's keeping it until WrestleMania, and I think Brock Lesnar might win the Rumble and challenge him. Yeah, and, you know, there are a couple of things coming out of this. You know, if if they do tie up the loose end of Brock Lesnar being a winner at Hell in the Cell and not having a match on Raw and having him be mad about that in terms of getting the title, I'm all for that. Uh, I thought Rollins cut one of the better promos of his career at the end of Raw when he was just ranting oh, about great. having to face. Oh, he that's the best uh, Rollins we've had yet, I think. It was absolutely the best Rollins because he was talking about himself. He was putting over the match. He was putting yes. over these two. And you know why it was so great? It's not just for Seth Rollins chanting into the microphone and ranting like a madman. Yeah. But the fact that Roman Reigns didn't speak once and just stared at Seth Rollins. And as he's staring, every second that goes by, this crowd is getting more and more behind Roman Reigns. Yeah. I mean, it was a great crowd. To, to It was the best crowd to choose for Roman Reigns. It was a very WWE-friendly crowd, as I like to say. Um, 
And I wouldn't have had any problems with them even putting Rollins, uh, not Rollins, but Owens up against Rollins here and giving Rollins a strong win here. But you know what? No problem with the with the Reigns pick. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the match. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to see forward, what they do. I'm looking forward to the match. I think this could be it that uh, finally gets the championship away from Seth Rollins um, because Roman Reigns, you can do plenty. You can do the rematch at WrestleMania, this time Brock being the challenger instead of the champion going in. There's there's a lot of stories you can go here. If you want to give Roman Reigns a loss at Survivor Series from shenanigans, you can rematch at TLC and go to Royal Rumble. You can do a lot of different things. Yeah, you could have Brock come down. You could have Sheamus come down and cash in and just <laughs> the, the whole story is everybody continues to keep screwing Roman out of the title yeah, I, I, until I'm, he finally gets it. I'm more than okay with Roman Reigns, especially because he was getting a positive crowd response and there's more stories you can do with Reigns and Seth Rollins. Um, Kevin Owens would have been kind of out of nowhere and I would much rather them build Kevin Owens up a little bit more and get more time because Kevin Owens still has only been on TV for about six months. You and know? I'm, hap- I'm happy for two things. The match was really good. The four-way match, loved it. It was a really solid very, match. Very exciting, and they built up to that final end when it was Kevin Owens yeah. and Roman Reigns. Yeah, they didn't make anybody look bad in this match. Not a was, single person. really good. And they, they withstood the temptation to put Big E in that four-way and then have the story of how Roman beat all four of the other champs on his way there because he had beaten Kofi. And in doing this, he would have beaten the other tag champ, the U.S. champ and the Intercontinental champ. And and I'm, I'm happy they didn't make them look bad. I was afraid that they're going to basically cannibalize their entire roster to make a new star in this show. And they didn't. And I think that's a positive. Yeah, I think holding back someone like Kevin Owens. um, and then holding off the Alberto Del Rio eventual main event picture because John Cena's gone right now, so you need some stars. Alberto Del Rio is not the star of a, a John Cena level, but he's someone who the fans know and the name that can come in and kind of fill the void there a little bit. And then John Cena will be back before the Royal Rumble. Randy Orton will most likely be back sometime before WrestleMania. But it's going to be those bare months after WrestleMania next year where you need a guy like Alberto Del Rio to kind of be at the top of storylines, where you'll need a guy like Kevin Owens to come into the title picture and possibly go up against a Brock Lesnar or a Roman Reigns. Uh, So I'm glad that they didn't blow their wad here in November with a Kevin Owens match for the title or an Alberto Del Rio match for the title. Go with Roman Reigns, who has the story already set from WrestleMania. Now, it's going to be interesting to see because we still have this briefcase floating about. Yeah. With Sheamus. Could we see a repeat of WrestleMania here coming up at Survivor Series and Roman Reigns keeps getting beat out for the title because of this briefcase, possibly leading to some frustrations coming out of Roman? That, that's always a possibility. I mean, I, I could, you know, my, my theory was Brock runs down during the match and kills both of them for, for not being included in this chance to be in the show. And then Sheamus runs down. Just to overkill it a bit, but no, there. That's definitely the uh, the that that's good wisdom. I mean, I like the callbacks to those types of things, and then and then eventually we get a one on one, maybe with a stipulation there for the belt, so that nobody can come down and nobody can interfere, and Roman gets the big win on the biggest stage. Now we also have another lingering question in that is Dean Ambrose here building him up and they're using his popularity to build Roman up and nothing's going to come of it or are they going to turn him heel too I don't know I don't know if anyone's getting turned right now anyway um you know this has been going this has been going on for months and months right it's a it's a weird tease isn't it It, it's almost like you know 
because we keep hearing, okay, now's the time they're going to have to start pushing Dean to be a star and to get him over and whatnot. And, and there's nothing coming of it, but yet he's still very, very popular. And they're still kind of, they're not teasing anything to me. They seem very straightforward about what's going on in terms of Ambrose pumping up uh, reins for these events and kind of being, you know, the personality behind the guy. But I'm trying to find the point of it. Well, you, you said it right there is, uh, you know, everyone's calling these teases and you saw it months and months ago. It's not a tease, though. That's, that's it. right. That's right. It's not a tease. Like we can see it as a tease because, oh, you're telegraphing the turn. I saw that so much on Twitter while watching the show that, oh, you're telegraphing, telegraphing the Dean no. turn. No, 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 no. Telegraphing the Dean turn would him would be him criticizing him at some point and possibly also growing a goatee. They're they're not subtle about these things. That's why Roman came out in the beginning because they they couldn't get out of their own way because they I I think they put Roman in that first segment there with the authority and Rollins to make sure that that the crowd knew who to cheer for, not to necessarily cheer for say Dolph Ziggler in that four way. Yeah, I question what the what the future holds for Dean Ambrose here while Roman Reigns goes in this title picture because, yeah, you can have him in backstage segments kind of cheering on the the challenger, cheering on Roman Reigns, his friend. You know, mm-hmm. and he's in these backstage segments not to tease a turn, not to telegraph a turn. Like, maybe he will, okay? He, but he's there, point, he, well, he's there this, for Reigns to siphon off popularity. That's now, it. Now who talks over who? Well, okay. He's siphoning off the popularity. But... It's time where we stop anticipating a Dean Ambrose turn because it it's like when we were anticipating John Cena losses like this. It makes sense for John Cena to lose here. It makes sense for John Cena to lose here. Oh, he's got to lose here. And he never does. You know, Dean Ambrose, we've done the, the oh, he's got a turn here at least three times in the last few months. It's time to just kind of let the Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, bro friendship just be a thing. And mm-hmm. he's going, they're going to cheer each other on and just have each other's backs. But do you see Dean Ambrose getting into possibility the Del Rio U.S. title picture at some point? Does he go after Kevin Owens here? Like, what's next for Dean Ambrose? I would not mind a Kevin Owens-Dean Ambrose feud with those two on the mic. Would love that. Yeah, it's got to be something here just because, I mean, the last two shows now, all he's done is congratulate or cheer on Roman Reigns. He was supposed to have the match with the Wyatts that just fell apart and now is over with. So he's really got no direction here all of a sudden after just a week of having a clear direction for, for Hell in a Cell, and now he's just out there floating. Alberto Del Rio is out there floating. Kevin Owens, in a way, is kind of out there floating now that they moved the Ryback over to something else. I mean, everyone is just in a stream of nothingness right now. Yeah, and Dean is becoming lamer <laughs> as he has nothing to do, you know? His cool factor is starting to wear off. Right, because how cool is it for... You know, you to pay a ticket to go see a Raw or a WWE show, and the guy you want to see, all he's doing is saying, you know, go, go, go for him. someone else. He's a cheerleader, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're doing, but I think Seth Rollins is the perfect guy for Roman, especially if they want to, you know, not necessarily rehab as some are putting it, but just kind of put him on the top level again. Seth Rollins, this dick that people hate, I mean, he's got that genuine heat to him. Yes. Where people and, don't want to cheer him. Yeah, and as long as they keep him away from the authority in these promos, as long as it's a thing about, I mean, I don't need to hear 
and I and I certainly don't need to hear when I was the architect of the shield. You, it's like okay, we we know that backstory. I want to hear why you hate Roman now. I want to hear that, and I want that to be the basis of the feud. I, I want them to keep away Steph and Hunter. <laughs> I want them to keep away the the ex, ex, expository backstory. I want to know what what now is driving right? this feud. And what's kind of great is the fact that Seth Rollins did that at the end. Yes. Like, you're yes. right. I mean, Seth Rollins nailed that ending. Roman Reigns nailed that ending. Kevin Owens nailed the interaction with Roman Reigns at the end. Mm-hmm. And and I was upset a little, too, because I saw one person on our Twitter feed, at Shake Them Ropes, uh, say that, you know, he asked immediately after the end, did Kevin Owens really have to take the fall there? And... I'm not necessarily sick of these questions, but I am kind of growing tired of immediately focusing on the negatives where we just had this really good four-way match. Roman Reigns got the win. The crowd's going nuts. And Kevin Owens was in the final two, in a way. Alberto Del Rio there wasn't at the finish. Dolph Ziggler wasn't at the finish. Kevin Owens had cleared both of them and just fell to Roman Reigns after running wild. I don't think Kevin Owens looked bad at all, and I don't care that he took the pin. No, there are good losses and bad losses, and that's a good loss. That, that's one that sets up things for later. Kevin Owens' character can use that loss and then become more embittered and more driven and more spiteful and become a better character out of it, whereas, say, a Cesaro loss these days is not a good loss. Those are the ones you question, not these. Right, the ones that happen over and over and over again. No, Kevin Owens was here for a world title shot, and he was in the last two, and -hmm. he almost beat Roman Reigns, who's potentially going to go on and win the championship. Yes. I I thought this was a good loss for Kevin Owens. And did Kevin Owens really have to take the fall here? Yes. And that's better because he did. Either he or Dolph had to take the loss, and either one would have been a, a fine choice, but... Kevin Owens as a heel and Roman beating a heel as opposed to a face is the better of the two. I don't really want to talk about, I mean, you mentioned in the, in the show open here about the regression of the divas revolution, the divas division from last night on raw. And I don't want to talk about the whole thing, but I do want to go on something about it. It, It's worth noting page is dead as a character. Absolutely dead. She's Big Show, she's Lex Luger, she's Paul Orndorff. She's now turned so many times that nobody gives a crap about her. It, and she's dead. She needs to be either repackaged or sent down to NXT for a while. It's dead. It's gone. And there's no interest in this. And there's going to be no interest going through it with, with a convoluted Paige-Charlotte feud. Yeah, I mean, everything that I have to say about this, I said a month ago when this happened. Um, but yeah. it's, it's amazing because she is so young. Like it's hard to be a, a dead character when what she's still 21 and she's turn, turned 20 times. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's, it's, it's on creative. It's, it's not on her. She's a fine performer. I like her personally, but she's number one. Fandom tends to protect her because of her potential. And number two, creative just keeps on making her crazy. And after a while, it's like, okay, we've seen it before. And I don't know what it does for the rest of the division to do this to her, to be honest with you. And yeah, you were right. But on the other hand, you were also jumping the gun. We had to give we had to give that promo a week to see what happened and they blew it. And I admit that I'm I'm a little tired of getting needled on that, to be honest with you. But yeah, no, Paige, (laughs) repackage her, send her away for a couple months and bring her back. She's dead after the Charlotte feud. Tyler Breeze is here, and it looks like they're actually, you know, giving him a couple of uh, pieces of flair. Uh, 
if you will. I mean, he's got the VIP section now when he's coming down to just watch a match. I dug that. Yeah, coming down with uh, a little summer breeze there in the VIP section to watch Dolph Ziggler match. And, you know, Dolph Ziggler did not get the number one contendership. So unless they have some type of mid-card, you know, five-on-five or four-on-four Survivor Series match at Survivor Series, it looks like they'll do Tyler Breeze and Dolph Ziggler. And I could see Tyler Breeze getting a pretty big win here in his first match. I I wonder when he's going to wrestle on the show, though. I wonder if they keep him off of wrestling on these shows until Survivor mm-hmm. Series, or they maybe give him a quick match that Dolph Ziggler kind of comes down and watch. They give him a Callisto or a, or a Fandango to beat. I was wondering if the if the bodyguard was part of the act, but I don't think it is since it's not. A, at first, I thought it was Ty Dillinger, but it's not. So, um, yeah, no, it's just I, a just a local indie guy who was there. So I I envision they'll probably just get extras every week they're in, and, okay. and that may not be a regular thing. I mean, maybe no. it'll be a regular thing for the first month where he just comes down to watch, and then he eventually gets in the ring with Adolf Ziggler. Yeah, I, you know what? I don't want that to be a. Re- I mean, I'd like it to be different things rather than just the VIP lounge. Now do something else. Move. On. It's kind of like what happened with the Miz when he became Hollywood. They kind of got stuck without actually heightening the bit yeah. until they got to Miz Dow, and then it became awesome yeah. again. Uh, so so keep doing this stuff, and of course they're going to be selling selfie sticks and stuff. But no, I would I would give Tyler Breeze. You have to give him something on Raw because he died. A d- nobody. He didn't get any response when his music came on on Raw. It'll take a little time. Yeah. It'll it'll take a little bit of time. They were in San Diego, so they're not really in a a strong foothold of where right. NXT has toured before. Right. And um, and and given given the response the the positive responses of things like Reigns and stuff, they they're not the 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 inside crowd that that would be needed for a big Tyler Breeze pop here. So maybe this was I wouldn't say it's a miscue necessarily because I thought they pulled it off well, but maybe it's just not knowing your audience. Yeah, but yeah. I'm interested to see what they do with Tyler Breeze. I'm I'm liking it so far. I'm liking that he's up there. I'm liking. I'm nervous watching his entrance, and they are doing the NXT gimmick where on the on the screen, you know, you have the Wi-Fi connection from Tyler Breeze's phone showing his selfie picture, self, selfie video on the screen. I've been nervous about this. It's never happened yet, as far as we know, but I just keep waiting to watch when that freezes. And they, like, lose the Wi-Fi signal, and all of a sudden you get no video on there, and it's just... That's what you're nervous about? I'm nervous about it. Because the thing that gave me concern was Summer Rae being taller. Yeah, that's always a concern. That's always a death now, is is a guy looking short. As me, me as a viewer, I don't care about that, so I'm not nervous about that. Now, Vince is looking like that, and, you know, he said, why is the woman taller? What are we doing with this guy? Like, that's that's his concern. That's not my concern, because Mm -hmm. all, I I just don't care. I don't think most people care. No, I don't think, I don't think most people care, but, you know, as people who we have a critical eye of, of such things... We, we, you and I, you know, should at least, okay, it, it's, it's out there maybe, but I, you know, personally as a match, I can't wait to see Dolph and Tyler fly around for each other. That's going to be great. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, we have a, uh, Twitter comment. El plethora on Twitter says Rob looks like the concierge who repeatedly apologizes for screwing up your room, but never actually fixes the problem. Do I look like that, Jeff? Oh, you do that on the show, so. Thanks. <laughs> no, Rob, I don't. Do you look like that? No, I don't. I don't think so. The 
Okay. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to expound on that because that would be insulting you a bit. So. Yeah. Well, Jeff Hawkins is the bellhop in the hotel who I waits am. around for a tip and makes a face when you give him a disappointing tip. Yep, I am. You are. Yeah. With the hat and everything, so that concierge, concierge are, are much more handsome. Let's assume that Alberto Del Rio doesn't go with someone <laughs> like Dean Ambrose. What's next for Alberto Del Rio? Do we get the mini Jack Swagger feud that I think people are, uh, and by people I mean me, are calling for? Maybe Cesaro. It is. It is amazing, right, that they haven't. Uh, that it doesn't look like there's any intention of bringing Swagger back up to say at least, "Oh, hey Zeb, what the hell are you doing?" Yeah, that's amazing to me because. Jack Swagger is such a great natural athlete and he's really good in the ring. And you know what? If they're not going to do with anything with him, send him down to NXT and let him rehab. Yeah, I, I just, I would He'd like be a over Del Rio. With He'd be over with that NXT crowd, especially if you put him in a feud with like a Jason Jordan short term. The and first, you have like the wrestling type of feud. The first NXT tapings I went to, which are a little over a year ago, uh, back in September, Rusev. And Jack Swagger yeah. was the main event. Yeah, it was I the in the that. building main event of the show, and the people were yeah. It was when Jack Swagger was a babyface and Rusev. They were they were kind of prepping for their for their match at uh, would have it would have been SummerSlam, but the show afterwards, whatever show it might have been, maybe Hell in a Cell if they wrestled on that show. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, Jack Swagger just a year ago was a pretty hot act going up against Rusev, and now and, look where both of those guys are. And I'm not convinced they're going to turn Del Rio full on heel here. So you could always feed Rusev to him if you wanted to. Yeah, we haven't seen like I I think that's the direction it looks like they're pointing Alberto Del Rio at. But we haven't actually seen 100 percent what they're kind of looking for because we haven't really gotten a Zeb Coulter speech right uh, outside of the debut. We haven't gotten Alberto Del Rio talking and he's been in these matches where yeah, anyone against John Cena usually is the heel, but in the U.S. Open challenges, that hasn't been the case. And then tonight, he was one of four guys in a match where everyone's fighting everyone. We haven't really gotten yeah. that uh, that full 100% idea. Yeah, he's kind of in the every man for himself type of situation, so you don't really know. And he's not really cheating all that much, so you don't know. Yeah, we just don't know yet. Um, anything else from Raw you really wanted to get uh, get into or grind your gears about? No, Kofi's over delivering as a heel. I think. My God, he's 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 done such a great job. The New Day continues to be amazing. And if you haven't seen the uh, after Raw video on WWE.com, go because they and Eden are entertaining as hell. Yeah, that's no one, about it. No one could have known, right? With Kofi Kingston, it's like one of those situations where Sami Zayn is so great as a babyface. But I have to believe. That if he was turned heel at some point and had to grow into some type of dark side character, Sami Zayn would be wonderful at that too. But you thought with Kofi Kingston that you really didn't see that necessarily. And he did such a great job selling for the after after his match and his loss when he came out for the uh, Big E match. He wasn't clapping as joyously. He was holding his ribs. I thought that was a great little touch. Yeah. Uh, I did. I, I I thought the Raw was really good as far as the show, especially based on what we've seen lately. Yeah. I'm oh, like, yeah. Compa- compared to what we've seen l- lately, yes. It, it, my only, again, my only gripe was if they hadn't tipped their hand, I wouldn't have been so quick to keep checking the football game. Right. And you had uh, the football game ended up being pretty close, pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had Kane coming in to uh, to battle the Wyatts. You mm. know, the Wyatts cutting the promo about the Undertaker. Kane comes in to help his brother out. Um did that now we talked about on Sunday on the post hell in the cell show where I don't believe there will be a team taker versus team Wyatt's. I believe there will be a tag team match 
especially now that it looks like that won't be the main event. The main event to me should be Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Uh, do you still contend that there might be a four on four Survivor Series match with these guys? And now with Roman Reigns out, if so, who would you put in there? I don't know who I'd put in there, but you'd have to build someone up to join those two. Otherwise, because there's nobody on the current roster you could put in there unless unless it's people you're bringing back like Cena and Orton at once. There's nobody you can put up there. So I think it's probably going to be might be two on four handicap elimination match. I, I could see the two on four. Yeah, either a traditional tag with maybe Braun in there or maybe put Luke Harper in there and have the other guys who may not be quite as good in the ring uh, on the outside menacing. But it'll either be that. It'll be two on four or it'll be a traditional tag team match. And I can see them doing some type of mid-card, you know, battle, some type of Survivor Series match. You got a whole bunch of action with the tag teams. And now we got what looks to be a regular trios team in Sheamus, Rusev, and Wade Barrett. The mid-card is all cluttered right now. Yeah. With no and directions I mean, for anybody. Yeah, you have the these little clusters. You have the New Day, you which is more of the upper tier, but you also have uh, Stardust and the Ascension. I mean, you have all these trios types of uh, groups to yeah, do things with that you can combine people with. I'm really interested in see what they do with all these, you know, if they keep the trios team alive, if they break off because there's more single roles for them to do. They got to fill out this card somehow. I don't know how many Survivor Series matches they're going to put on the show, but you know, based on what names are available, you can kind of almost gather there might be three of them. Yeah, Team Bad acting up on Twitter. So, <laughs> yeah, you got Naomi. I mean, Sasha so- Banks has been towing the line too. That's the thing, and it's worrying me that these two are kind of uh, overstepping their their safety zone. I don't. I wonder what's going on here. For those who don't know, that you have Naomi and Sasha Banks, and you had Becky Lynch, and you had. Um, the Bellas before all this kind of started where, you know, Twitter commenters would talk about, they would say things, they would be like, Hey, WWE, why aren't you using Naomi correctly? Or, you know, when's the last time Naomi wrestled in the ring and you have Naomi retweeting these comments. You had the Bellas before that, you know, when people were commenting on getting opponents for the Bellas and the Bellas would retweet that it's been a thing going on. Uh, in the WWE and especially in the Divas division, or at least more noticed in the Divas division on Twitter. Um, I don't know if that's a directive that they're being told to do that. I, I almost think because we're seeing it in so large numbers that they're being told to do it. Hmm. That's actually a fan interaction. Yeah. Okay. Fan interaction, retweeting, trying to get, trying to see if this work, can be more homegrown and work people. Yeah. More, more grassroots campaign to get people interested in it. I don't know because if they weren't told to do it, I just don't see Sasha Banks, for example, really going out there just when she gets to the WWE main roster and start trying to ruffle feathers. Right. I just don't see that happening, but maybe, maybe, I don't know. Um, We wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in NXT. Uh, WWE breaking ground premiered. I don't want to talk about, yeah. We premiered on uh, Sunday morning, all through Sunday night. And then Monday night after raw, your overall position or thoughts on what you saw on the debut of WWE Breaking Ground, WWE's version of Hard Knocks. They have 50% of a really, really good thing here. This is what tough enough should be. These, This is the type of thing that you do for your really hardcore fan base to get to know guys that they don't necessarily know. 
The problem is, and the problem was the concern I brought up was how much of it is going to be WWEized and the things that I think that they view as quote unquote positives, I think are net negatives for the show. I, I think the Triple H intro was hokey, to be honest with you. It, it forced. I think putting Shatner on on narration takes away from how seriously you can take this in some ways. I mean, I think I did fine enough on, on narration as a job, but I think his presence is kind of a, it's a detriment to me. You could get any kind of voiceover guy to do this and it would be fine. And then I think, you know, I, I love, you know, I love what they did, you know, showing uh savvy Piscatelli. Cause that dude's for real in terms of athletic uh, ability having spent like four or five years in the NFL and actually playing as opposed to the juxtaposed person on the show, Baron Corbin, who I think is doing his gimmick on screen as opposed to being realistic. I think there's shades of realism. Oh no. But oh, no, no, this is such played to oh, me. Oh God. Why do you do you disagree with me on that? I thought Baron Corbin's the most real guy on the show. Oh come on. Nobody is going into a training situation acting hard like that ever and acting big time without getting beat down by coaches or things like that. Nobody's acting like that in that situation. And also the fact that, he, I mean, I know people who trained some MMA with him from Scottsdale that said that, that told me he's a pretty nice fella. So he can, he can be nice, but still have an ego and kind of oh, believe no. he's all that. Oh, oh, but this is more than ego. I mean, there's confidence and then there's arrogance. Now, both Pescatelli or Piscatelli and, Corbin have legit tough guy backgrounds. Don't get me wrong. I'm not questioning either of their athletic abilities or whatnot. Being one double A, winning the national championship four years in a row, golden gloves, jujitsu, amateur fighting. He's a tough guy. He's legit. Don't get me wrong. But that acting all hard and stuff in the when when you're learning and sitting at the learning tree, that's the kind of thing that in you know that we we hear about in in the lores of the industry gets you humbled real quick. So I think he's living the gimmick on screen. I thought they told him to do that. And I, you know, it's fine, but it still makes me feel like it's, it's worked at times, but overall they have the seeds for a good show here, I think. But, but the Corbin stuff to me, I mean, I, yeah, I he I've heard people go, Oh man, that made me love him even more. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, wow, I just think he's living the gimmick on screen and they've told him to play it up a bit. Well, I tell you what, whether it's worked or not, it worked for me. Okay. Baron it Corbin. Didn't, it didn't, you know what? We're, we're allowed to disagree here and we won't, don't have to argue about it necessarily. I, you, it worked for you. It didn't work for me. Yeah, I, I thought Baron Corbin, because I've been on the Baron Corbin train for a while. I think this guy's got huge potential and you know whether he's working the gimmick on the screen or not, I don't care. That Baron Corbin is a Baron Corbin that I can see going places. And you mentioned I, I'm on the Baron Corbin train. I want him to succeed. Don't get me wrong. I just thought, you know, it's like when when you're amongst a group like that and I mean, you're basically blowing people off and stuff. I mean, you, you, you can be all for one. And yeah, this is a business where you have to go into business for yourself and take care of yourself. But not necessarily right now at this level that he's at. He's not good enough to, to pull that off. Savvy Piscatelli, Tino Sabatelli on the show. Um, I thought it was an interesting, uh, we'll get to this point here, but guess what, Jeff? What? We have a caller. 
That's right. Okay. I went I went nuts and I you put out a call. I, I put out a calling call on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. Four four three area code. What's your name and where are you calling from? Oh, I'm calling from Baltimore. Baltimore. How's it going in Baltimore currently? Uh, looking real cloudy. Probably gonna get some rain in a little bit. Um, how are you guys doing? Doing good. You are gonna get. Uh, we're getting rain here soon too. We're getting all of these uh, hurricane. What was it? Hurricane Patricia. Uh, we're getting yeah. the fallout. It's all coming our way. We're getting you know windy, cloudy, rain, storms coming tomorrow. It's gonna be nuts. Jeff, what's the weather like in Los Angeles today, Jeff? Hot and sunny, and in the eighties. God, you suck. Mm-hmm. You well, suck. Los Angeles, <laughs> it's unbelievable, right there, Los Angeles. But uh, for us in Baltimore and Northeast Indiana, we're we're going to be shivering here soon with rain. Um, what was your name, caller? Um, Quentin. Quentin, what, what's on your mind? What did you want to talk about? We're talking WWE, NXT, Breaking Ground, any topic from Hell in the Cell. What was on your mind? Um, it was a question I had for you guys. Um, the narrative I see them running with, with Roman Reigns is that he gets close and that the moment gets snatched from him. Seeing how Sheamus still has the briefcase, do you think Survivor Series, do they finally pull the trigger with Roman and get him this big moment? Or do you think it's Nash from again? Yeah, I could, I could see him getting the big moment. Like, that has been the story, and we still have Sheamus with the briefcase. But I can see him getting his moment there. Um, I, it's interesting because at WrestleMania, he didn't win the title, and then it was snatched from him. He got close to winning the title and it was snatched from him. So I don't know if they would do the same thing, maybe go one step further and give him the championship for one minute only to lose it to yeah, a Sheamus. Yeah, you could go a number of ways. I mean, Jeff and I kind of talked about this a little bit, but I mean, thinking about it more, um, has Roman Reigns had a big moment yet as far as the title win? I mean, his biggest moment to date would be what, Jeff? Would it be the win over Daniel Bryan to get him into the title match? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know if I mean, Roman Reigns just hasn't had that big moment. He beat Randy Orton at SummerSlam, but I think a year later, most people forget that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so I, I, I would say that, you know, in Atlanta, he gets the big moment. Maybe this will be the Goldberg moment, right? He wins the championship against all else, all other odds, and he gets the big win in Atlanta a la Goldberg. You know, sitting here, I don't think they're going to cash in Sheamus until WrestleMania, and they're going to give Roman the big moment then. He's going to beat whoever he's facing, and then Sheamus is going to run down, try and cash in. They're going to say, oh, no, not again, and then he's going to beat Sheamus. Yeah. I, that's I, a possibility I, too. Yeah. What was your uh, what was your favorite match from Hell in a Cell? I assumed you watched it. What was your favorite match caller from Hell in a Cell? Um, oh yeah, probably the main event. I've had a lot of fun watching that. It was just a fun spectacle match and I, I really dug the finish with, you know, Brock getting revenge with a low blow. I thought it was a really fun match. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I thought the main event was clearly the best match in the show. I'm I'm pretty strong on that show overall. But uh, Quentin, I want to thank you for calling from Baltimore and stay safe as long as I, I'm just thankful the hurricane didn't come all the way your way and we're just getting remnants of it. I'd always take remnants over the uh, over the core of the hurricane. So thank you so much for uh, for calling the show today. All right. Thanks. Talk to you. Um, can't wait to listen to the show. All righty. Well, we got uh, Quentin calling in from Baltimore. Yeah, I, I opened up the calls just to see uh, what the big topic on mind. And that big topic was, will Sheamus take his championship shot at Survivor Series? I wonder how many people are thinking about that because uh, it's it's been one of those things where Sheamus has not really emphasized the briefcase like you see a lot where right before a pay-per-view on that Monday before, 
he'll come out and talk about how he has the briefcase. We haven't really seen that from Sheamus lately. I think they're trying to get people to forget about it a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, it's out of sight, out of mind. Rob being afraid of my banter, going to the calls. Got it. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, Tino Sabatelli here is on Twitter. And Piscatelli. Oh, well, yeah, that's probably his name. Tino and, Sabatelli, yep. Okay. Um, he's on Twitter. And normally, because of the number of followers this person has, I would assume it was a fake account. It wasn't the real account from this guy. But other NXTers have been tweeting this official account as Tino Sabatelli even after Breaking Ground has debuted, even after he's been signed by WWE NXT for over a year, and he's a former professional football player, Tino Sabatelli has 490 followers. That's a very low number for a guy that uh, is he wasn't now... A star in the NFL. He's just a player. He's there. still a player. And plus, he may not know the work name. Yeah, I, I expect that. We'll do the Tino Sabatelli weekly update of Twitter followers here oh, on I think Shake gonna, Them Ropes. They're probably going to cut them at the end just to prove a point about the NFL. So that is, <laughs> a, that is the question that we have. So the, the premier, I thought Baron Corbin was the star of this. I, I thought it was weird that they opened the show with Tino Sabatelli because this is a guy that no one's seen before. Yeah, that's odd. But, you know, there was a lot to like, too. I mean, if you don't like Bailey before... You're going to find her humble and, and just so engaging after the show. Oh, no, abs- absolutely. I thought all of the talents came across and, you know, showed something. I, you know, you talk about Tino Sabatelli being impressive and he's a guy who looks like Ty I'm Dillinger. I'm just saying his, his backstory is impressive. Yes, I, I, yes. I mean, his story is engaging about the concussion and stuff. I, I'm not sold on him as a character necessarily, but I'm going to find him interesting at least. And he's at least, he, he's real. On the show, and and I I'm drawn to those types of things. So I mean, the only thing that really really turned me off was <laughs> Mojo. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I was turned off by Noof. Yeah, but I think I she may be playing it up too. She may be the the you know the the young immature person who eventually finds maturity in the business. They they, they may be working a real reality TV storyline here with her. I'm, I'm going to give that one time. She wasn't the best on this show, but I'm I'm still not certain on whether or not she's she's actually like that or if this is a gimmick. Right. So Breaking Ground ended with a cliffhanger. The debut uh, episode ended with the cliffhanger of Canyon Seaman coming in to fire somebody. And we had all of these uh, all of these um, personalities. Question. Yeah, we had three different questions going in. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And it's going to be Devin Taylor, it's right? It's going to be Devin Taylor. Right. Now, the time frame is really weird on this one because the first episode kind of takes place in the first or second week of September. Mm-hmm. And then I believe Devin Taylor was on the October TV tapings. Yes. Backstage. So the time is going to be a little weird here, but I, I have to assume that's why WWE has really made no public statement about Devin. Correct. Is that, you know, she's getting fired here on this show. And I wonder if it's a real firing. I honestly wonder if it's going to be a real thing or if it's going to be, you know, she's going to be a part of the show somehow, just not on screen in some way on NXT TV. I don't know, but uh, I would have to imagine it'll be Devin Taylor. That's not necessarily a spoiler. It is a guess because we don't know, um, you know, for all we know, it's going to be someone else in this cast. Maybe Tino Sabatelli is holding up, you know, tweeting and different things just to play the gimmick. 
But, yeah, I, I think what it is is they did let her go and then they asked, you know, would you mind for television purposes if we tape a quote-unquote firing? It could be right. that too. Yeah, but I, I was impressed by the show. It's an interesting look. I mean, like any reality show, it's more than half, you know, not actually reality. But yeah. it, it does give you a kind of look at some of the stars who aren't on TV yet, give you a new dynamic. Hey, when we were talking about the WWE Network when it first began, this is kind of what we were talking about. Yeah. You see Baron Corbin on screen. If you really want to get that groundswell of either support or dislike of a character, show him in a more realistic space. And Baron Corbin, if you want to be this, want to have him as a major heel, show him as a heel in the ring and then show him as this real life prick that people want to see get beat when they watch the real show. Look, we're, we're, we're arguing nuance here. I wanted it more WWE 24 slash the Finn Balor stuff. And, oh, that's great and, too. And, and, and you get, and you get, pieces of that within the show don't get me wrong it, it, Devin's struggle is real uh tino's struggle i think is probably real um you know you you have those types of things and those real moments the apollo cruise uh video that they took part mm -hmm. of for the for the takeover special comes from this show so you do get those moments which is enough for me it's just filtering out what is what i want and what is you know what you know what do the people want? <laughs> I, I absolutely love how they portrayed Apollo Crews as this guy who's just always around to laugh at Baron Corbin when he says egotistical things. Oh, yeah. They're, they're building the feud, aren't they? It looks like it. Yeah. It looks like it. And I, for one, love it. Like Mojo Rally comes in and kind of plays around with Baron Corbin and Baron Corbin says something egotistical. And then they cut to Apollo Crews, who is just getting ready and laughing. Well, the thing is, everybody else is out there setting up the ring and setting up chairs and stuff, and he's back there eating. That's why they're getting on him about it, and that's why I go, he wouldn't really do that. I don't know. Baron Corbin's the main event, sir. He mm -hmm. was the main event of that one Florida house show with Tyler Breeze going up against Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. Okay. He's the big guy on the card, Baron Corbin. He worked year after year to be the main event of Fort Pierce. <laughs> I, I thought Shatner was fine as the, uh, you know, they got William Shatner to get press for the show. Yeah, yeah, but you know my, you know my, oh, my yeah. concern here. Yeah, you just, you, you have to give up a little to get, you know, the press of William Shatner. Because if you look at, Forbes has an article on this show, and other outlets have articles on this new Breaking Ground show. And one of the first things they talk about is how William Shatner is narrating the thing. Yeah. So, I mean, they did it for the press of it. Mm. Um, but go follow Tino Sabatelli, at Tino Sabatelli. It's 490 this week. We'll see next week how many followers young Tino Sabatelli has. Uh, let's see who's following Tino. Canyon Seaman is following Tino. WWE is following Tino. Uh, let's see here. At James Vanderbeek, the fake is, James Vanderbeek is following this is, Tino. This is creepy, Rob. No, I it well, it shows it right on the front page. I'm not I didn't have to click any buttons to get there. Mm -hmm. It literally says who's following Tino, because these are, you know, people. Apollo Crews is on the uh, front page there. Yeah, so go follow at Tino Sabatelli. Uh, anything else from NXT that's been going on that's catching your eye? I liked James Storm's debut. I thought it was fun. I thought it was cool. I mean, the crowd gave him a big-time reaction. Um, I really liked the Billy Kay versus Asuka match quite a lot. I think I think the, the jumping bomb Australians are going to be great eventually. Uh, they're going to be doing the jobs for a while. Um, I'm kind of liking this Eva Marie in Paris thing. I don't know why. I just do. 
she's such a it's so odd knowing that it's like well we wanted her to be a face and nobody wants her to be a face so now they're just going total dick yeah. heel. oh no she's a natural oh, heel. she so, is so good at being a natural bitch so do you think they're going to bring eva marie to the uk in december to give her her title shot at takeover or do you think she's going to be groomed for a title shot on tv before that no, I, th- I think it's the Apollo Crews thing where she's going to have her shot on television. I don't think they're going to rely on the big event for her. I just can't see them doing that because she's not, for lack of a better term, she's not good enough. It would show a great deal of guts if they put Eva Marie on the live show. Yeah. Because even when she was at the takeover in Brooklyn, she was on the taped show. Right. So, just in case. Yeah, just in case something happens there. We've been running down the top 100 matches on WWE Network, the matches you must see before you die, a list compiled by WWE at WWE.com. Last week was match number 59, which I believe was Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe there was one after that. You are correct. Match number 58 is this week. We're going to be talking about Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio from the Great American Bash 1996, the match that is on this list because it is Rey Mysterio's WCW debut going after the WCW Cruiserweight Championship, Great American Bash, 1996. This time was interesting uh, for a number of reasons. Um, And part of it's alluded to during the match because the next month is, of course, Bash at the Beach, 96, where Hogan turns and joins the NWO, and they allude to the challenge to WCW in this match, which, to me, marks the end of WCW. But nevertheless, the Cruiserweights division during this time was absolutely outstanding and this time in wcw was one of my favorites just because of all the matches you'd get in that first part of nitro uh they had decided to go with a cruiserweight championship despite the fact that it's usually the label of death for for half the guys in the company because then they eventually just feed them to bigger guys but there were no official tournament brackets, just a lot of uh, light heavyweight matches here. And eventually <laughs> the people realized that guys were still in the tournament and losing. They made a call that it's quote unquote double elimination, even though it uh, it, <laughs> it wasn't a real tournament. But uh, over on a new Japan card, they had they had crowned Shinjiro Otani as their lightweight champion, having beat Chris Benoit. And for some worldwide tapings that first time i guess otani did not want to work in the states all that often so they had him drop it to one dean malenko now two weeks before this great american bash was an event i went to here in los angeles called the worldwide peace festival or world wrestling peace festival uh put on by uh, Antonio Inoki here at the uh, LA Sports Arena. Me and a few friends from work who are into wrestling went to that, and you had all sorts of styles and people from AAA and WCW and New Japan and whatnot. And Eric Bischoff signed quite a few people from from this uh, festival, including Chris Jericho and one Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, I don't know about that story necessarily. I believe he had probably seen them both in ECW where they had both been at one time, but he signed a lot of people from this card, including, you know, La Parca and uh, Psychosis and, and just a whole wider range of people to help uh, bolster that first hour of Nitro. And this is a uh, cruiserweight title match because Dean Malenko on those worldwide tapings I alluded to took the title off of Shinjiro Otani. Um, in kayfabe land, it was actually Otani having beat Brad Armstrong, and and Malenko had defended the title against Brad Armstrong at the pay-per-view in May. But this is indeed 
uh, Rey Mysterio Jr.'s WCW debut. And uh, I love this match. Uh, I don't like it as much as the Halloween Havoc 96 match, uh, which is also great. But this is like three different matches in one because you start off with a mat-based classic between between Malenko and Mysterio. And this is their first time actually meeting each other. And they're doing, you know, they're going on the mat, they're kipping up, they're looking at each other, that kind of thing to make sure that they're equals. And then it becomes, okay, let's highlight Ray's flying abilities and stuff for the crowd that's never seen him to get the crowd into it. And then Malenko gets the heat on Allah and Anderson working on the arm. And then they go to the hot finish with, again, Mysterio flying around. And, spoiler alert, Malenko wins after reversing a Rana attempt, I believe, and turning into a powerbomb, putting his feet on the ropes. And yeah. it's, okay, it's okay not to give a guy a win in, the, in his debut if he's not a main eventer and if you're planning on having a good feud out of it which this turned into right, in 1996. We're, and that's one of the points I wanted to bring up about how Rey Mysterio was booked after this uh, match especially. But yeah, Rey Mysterio hits his Rana a couple of times in the match and then goes for it the third time when Dean Malenko counters, powerbombs Rey, and then puts both feet on the middle rope in the, turn, in the corner to get the one, two, three. At first, Tony Schiavone doesn't know what to uh, call this move. He calls it a Frankensteiner-like move. Yeah, the the Rana, the regular Hurricane Rana that Rey Mysterio would end up using as a finisher all throughout WCW's run. Uh, you have Tony Schiavone on commentary with Dusty Rhodes and the guest Mike Tenay. Mike Tenay there to just give you fact after fact after fact for 17 minutes. Mike Tenay is just spouting out facts about Mexico and Japan. Uh, yeah. So as a casual fan, you might think it's a little bit too much, uh, just because it is. It's fact after fact. You're not. He's putting it in context. Sometimes, but not necessarily the entire time. He's just well. It gives you a nice world of what this is living in because he mentions the uh, Eddie Guerrero Super J Cup oh, yeah. win in New Japan, which is nice. And let's be honest, as much as he tries, and I like him more on commentary than I do Jerry Lawler, who's usually in business for himself to make jokes. Dusty Rhodes is trying here, but this is not his wheelhouse. It is this- not. They let Mike Tanay do most of the talking throughout this match, and he's there for a lot of good information. I just wonder if WC. I mean, trying to think of it as WCW fan in 1996, were they a little overwhelmed and maybe tuned out Mike Tanay after the 10th fact in the first five minutes? They might have, but... Uh, remind me, was this after the Win Worlds Collide pay per view? They, they, oh, you it know, had to have been. Yeah, when, hardcore. Yeah, hardcore fans would be used to Mike Tenay a bit, and I get that. But, but really, I mean, with Dusty, he had to wait to talk, and he was given that kind of good information. To me, WCW fans would not be turned off by this because WCW fans watched it as a sport. When you had Shivani and Ross calling, they were they weren't doing the heel. Uh, He'll he'll color face commentator dynamic that would later come on a couple months or the next month or so when when Heenan became a part of the broadcast team, they were they were calling it a sport. So I don't think they'd tune out. And, you know, much like I think a sports entertainment crowd would have turned on this match in 1996 or now WCW was still a kind of a wrestling quote Southern style promotion at this time that appreciated different styles and stuff. And, and eventually these two guys won the crowd over because you notice Ray Mysterio got no reaction here, but by the time he started wrestling the next couple months, he'd be getting huge pops. So they did their job. And I think today did his job here. 
Yeah, he was just a guy showing up. No one knew who Rey Mysterio really was. Mm-hmm. Um, talked about the ending, how Dean Malenko won with the powerbomb feet on the ropes. Uh, there was an issue here, Jeff. Yes. No one said a thing about it. Yeah. Well, didn't they? I thought Tanae did. Today did after the second replay and said it only in passing. He said, so when the match actually happens and Dean Malenko gets the one, two, three, clearly with his feet on the ropes, Tony Schiavone isn't, you know, questioning the motives there. Tony Schiavone isn't saying anything negative. They just let it go. They're like, and Dean Malenko gets the pin, one, two, three, blah. They show one replay. Then they show the second replay that Mike Tanae narrates. And at the very end, Mike Tanae says, as you see the two feet are on the ropes, which is what he had to do to get the victory. Yeah, it, it's a little too subtle, maybe. I, I agree with that. I, but oh, you know the, what? The it's... foot on the ropes wasn't subtle. No, no, no. None the of the this call. was subtle. The announcing just totally the announcing. ignored it. Oh, that could have been just to get to the story of oh, the next no. couple matches, I think. I, I don't know if they they, they ignored it on purpose, necessarily. I, they may not have been paying attention at that point. They had to get over the fact that the NWO had challenged WCW. Yeah. You know what? I'm shocked you didn't bring up, um, because this is your wheelhouse. Randy uh, Randy Eller, the referee in this match with his terrible mullet. He was a little and slow. His, and, and his slow counts. He was a little slow. Yeah. It's almost like it was a referee who was in there... And had um, never been in been in the ring with a lucha with this kind of match. Never been in there, but also was worried that I I, I fully believe that he was worried that someone wasn't going to kick out before he got the three count. Like he had to right. do the one, he had to do the two. Like, are you guys going to kick out? Okay, I'll start counting. Three. Oh, yeah. he kicked out. Good. Yeah, like he didn't know the end, or he was calling it as a shoot, and he was just going to try and be even handed with the one, two, and three the whole time. That's what I thought at first too. He also looked like Silas's young Silas Young's dad. <laughs> looked a little bit like that he looked like he was possibly drunk on this show no nah, i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far he watched uh you know he watched too much baseball sunday afternoon and then uh started drinking a little bit no but it, but but if you like this match go watch their havoc rematch because because that that crowd's hot for them and it's a little bit more action-packed right. so we're talking Rey mysterio's debut here the next night on nitro they would have a rematch it wasn't for the championship i don't believe right. But Dean right. Malenko would also win. So now we've set up that Rey Mysterio is here, but Dean mm-hmm. Malenko has his number. So the next couple of weeks, the next few weeks, the next month even, Rey Mysterio goes on a tear. I mean, he beats Billy Kidman, Psychosis, and gets a rematch for the title almost a month after the original match here at Bash at the Beach where he finally wins the championship for Dean Malenko. And then you would have this story where Dean is trying to get back at Rey and the title. Rey is trying to get back at Dean and the championship. And these two would be the focal points of the division for the next several months, all the way till that Halloween Havoc match where Dean Malenko does win the match or does win the title back. Well, and- hold, hold on. I think I think we full, we we missed a couple things here because we reviewed a couple matches in this in this time frame. We did, yes, with with, with the participants because I believe during this time we we also fold in Eddie Guerrero post Super Jacob, but we also fold in Ultimo Dragon. As champ, and doesn't Dragon take the championship off of Malenko and get get it to Ray? Uh, yeah, Ultimo Dragon here, they have a Cruiserweight Championship match where Rey Mysterio doesn't win the title from Ultimo, or Ultimo Dragon uh, until at all, actually. He doesn't win it from Ultimo Dragon. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, no, because uh, Ultimo Dragon is also the J-Cup champion. He's not the Cruiserweight champion. Right, but no, he eventually, Ultimo Dragon, I thought, eventually won the won the Cruiserweight Championship, and I thought he was the kind of the go-between between Ray and Malenko. Yeah, here he, for the rematch. He might have been, but Ray Jr. has it. Uh, okay. So he has this match, and they, he wins the championship 
on July 8th's WCW Nitro. All right. He would retain the championship all the way to Halloween Havoc, where Dean Malenko would win it back. And then Rey Mysterio, uh, they do the Cruiserweight Championship here. Dean Malenko is still the champion in November. And then Rey Mysterio, what does he do? He doesn't really win it back. He goes into the television title for a while. Right. Against Prince Ikea. But I, the thing I wanted to talk about is this run. All right, okay. So Rey Jr. loses his first two matches. Then he would go on to win his next 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 matches. Oh, they knew what they had here. Oh, yeah. And, and it was just that story of those two. When, when they would beat each other, when Ray Jr. would lose to Dean, Ray Jr. fought his way back. When Dean lost to Ray Jr., he would fight his way back. These two were the focal points of this division as they exchanged the titles a couple of times here at the end of 1996. Yeah, and they, they used his popularity for sympathy in the NWO angle when they lawn darted him. They did the lawn dart, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, he was he was over. Uh, I mean, they knew what they had with him. Um, uh, I think after the first couple matches, and they just let him go. And he was great. And then they <laughs> they eventually messed it up a few years later when they took off his mask, but... Yeah, yeah. Ultimo Dragon would uh, win the championship, the cruiserweight championship, in December of '96. The last couple of days of 1996. Oh, okay. So, okay, I'm mistaken. Then that's that's my fault. Yeah, I thought I thought, I thought I thought I thought there was someone who had the belt between Malenko and Mysterio, and then it got shifted over somehow. No, nope, they would fight off and on. Dean and Ray would fight off and on from that original match all the way to December. That's a great feud. It's a big it feud. Really just... It's a big feud. Dean Malenko, big time champion, and then. Uh, you had Jericho in there. You had Benoit occasionally yeah. fighting in the cruiserweight division. It's just it's it's a great little year there. And then of course the NWO messes up. Now on Halloween on on uh, on the Great American Bash card, <laughs> a couple of things to watch if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> the Benoit versus Sullivan fal- falls count anywhere match, where Dusty gives one of his classic. Uh, commentary moments they're the lady in the bath in the men's room but that pop that arn anderson gets after the match is is phenomenal and and of interest to you and i rob one of our favorite people in the world faces conan here uh the masked el gato pat tanaka as el gato patrick tanaka he does i I saw that i'm like what is happening here i watched that match just out of respect to pat tanaka oh god pat tanaka (laughs) man yep well, what are you going to do? Pat Tanaka, El Gato, the fake tiger mask mask. Yeah. Next week, we're going to talk about match number 57 on the top 100 countdown. Do you it know is. who the match is, Jeff? I do know this match. It is super from WCW Super Brawl in 1991. Lex Luger and Sting versus the Steiner Brothers. A face team versus face team match. That's right. Two Hall of Famers going up against Lex Luger and Sting next week on match number 57 on the Top 100 Countdown. Next week, we'll also talk about the build-up to Survivor Series. And if anything big happens, this week on NXT is Tyler Breeze's farewell to NXT. Tyler Breeze versus Samoa Joe on NXT TV this week. Uh, Let's end it this way, Jeff. We have one final call coming in on the hotline. 972 area code. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, uh, this is from Dallas. Can you hear me? Calling from Dallas. What was the name? Yeah, how are you? No, we're good. What was your name again? It cut out. I will talk about uh, Breaking Ground. <laughs> okay. What yeah. was your name? The only thing I want to say is that the one thing about Breaking Ground uh, is that 
It's like they compared it to Hard Knocks, which is like the, sh- the show's nothing like that show. We'll see you next week on Shake Them Ropes. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.